The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. My name is Maureen Metcalf. Today, we're joined by Scott Kane. And um, Scott is the CEO of the Groundwork Group. He's responsible for leading, guiding, and directing all organizational aspects of a nonprofit technology business. And one of the roles Scott fills is helping IT professionals join boards. And I selected Scott because of an interview we had with Angelo Mazzocco, where he was talking about the importance of leaders participating in boards. And Scott does a lot of board training, so helping leaders enter and fulfill board roles in a very professional and effective way. And that role specifically then leads into leaders being more effective joining back in their organizations. Because once we've had the perspective of what the board is looking for, whether we're in a public company where we work with boards, a a nonprofit where we work with boards, and for family-owned and smaller businesses, single owner, Mm -hmm. still the board has a perspective very similar to that of the owner. So as the leader, having taken that other role, I step back into my job with a much better perspective on how to lead and what's important. So what we're going to talk about today is Scott will talk a little bit about his role at Groundwork Group, but more specifically, we'll be focusing on board membership, board service, what what do I need to do to be a good board member, and why does that matter, and then how do I join boards? So in the Voice America series, my goal is for emerging leaders, leaders and executives to hear things that they haven't been exposed to before. So in the spirit of innovating how I lead or updating, mm-hmm. I, I would say don't be the blackberry of leadership. How, how do we go from being effective to continually innovating and remaining effective. So many of the leaders that I've worked with are incredibly effective. And then at some point, because they're focused so heavily on doing the work, they don't take time to upgrade their leadership. And this show is intended specifically to help busy and effective, successful leaders continually innovate and upgrade your leadership algorithm. So my invitation to you is listen for something you haven't heard, and hopefully you'll find something that Scott shares that you can test in your own leadership now or in the very near future. So thank you, Scott, for joining us. And please tell us a little bit about yourself and your role in Groundwork Group. For sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you inviting me in, and I appreciate that introduction. I think that 
uh, the most important part of what we're talking about today is leadership development. And I think what you're talking about when you talk about changing and evolving and becoming innovative is something that I've tried to live my entire life, which is mm -hmm. to say, exposing myself to different environments and seeing things through a different lens. And for Groundwork mm -hmm. Group, that evolution started about 13 years ago when the question was, why are nonprofits less efficient? And one mm -hmm. of the question, one of the answers was, technology is an inhibitor unless you're able to understand it. And so the lens mm -hmm. that we put on the nonprofit market was what changes when you look at the same questions through the lens of technology. Mm -hmm. And over the past 10 years, decade or so, we've found that there's different ways to interpret that. And some of that means you need an interpreter. And in many cases, that interpreter comes from the for-profit space. Mm -hmm. Boards are populated by lots of different people. We found it because we're a technology nonprofit that we needed to include that perspective of the IT leader. Mm-hmm a for-profit IT leader in boards. And so mm -hmm. building that language and building that lens and building the community was all part of what Groundwork Group was built upon. And, and the model is interesting because, as I understand it, you are actually placing IT leaders from for-profit businesses on – you do the board match function. Correct. And you train these IT leaders who, in many cases, have not served on boards what is effective board mm -hmm. leadership. And having been on boards and not having appropriate training when I joined, I thought that what I was doing in the for-profit space translated easily. I was probably a bit arrogant in my assumptions. And I learned through a mutual friend, Danny Robbins, that um, what I was doing was really not very effective. And so I know you and Danny have worked together, and she'll yes. be on a future show. And what I learned specifically that board leadership is its own thing, mm -hmm. requires training, and is hugely beneficial. And with my coaching clients, I strongly recommend that they join boards, mm -hmm. that it does help them develop this point of view. So your presence and specifically your towering skills in the space of uh, training board members is something that I wanted you to share a little bit about today. Mm -hmm. Let's start with what does it mean to serve on a board? Lots of people have never done that, For sure. so they don't even know what this thing means. Mm -hmm. When I answer that, I'm going to go mm -hmm. back and unpack the statement that you just made because I think what we're talking about is a community responsibility. Mm -hmm. Not only do people need to rise up and raise their hand, sometimes mm -hmm. you're raising your hand and you're selected. Mm -hmm. In other cases, you're asked to join, and there is a certain amount of ego involved with that. Mm -hmm. But there also is a need for the willing to be given the knowledge mm -hmm. so that they can apply those skills. The example you gave was that you had lots of will. Mm -hmm. And you had some knowledge, but that knowledge wasn't oriented towards nonprofits. And that's the deficit that exists mm -hmm. in many nonprofits who are bringing on new board members. What we didn't want to do is bring in IT individuals and not prepare them to be successful. Now, success forms many different ways. Part of that is advising and counseling them on what they should be signing up to do, mm -hmm. what committees they should be joining, what they should be expecting. But a lot of it comes back to making sure that the responsibilities associated with a board member are mm -hmm. clearly defined before that person steps onto a board. Because mm -hmm. it does vary. And if you've never done it before, being on a board can be an intimidating process, mm -hmm. can be a very rewarding process, but can also be detrimental if the power that's left to that person is left undirected. Okay. And so where Groundwork Group comes in is is trying to direct that energy to make sure that a, an IT professional who – IT professionals of this caliber when we were placing them really did come with more than just IT professional skill sets. 
they're business leaders after it. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we need to really focus on is what skills are going to be applicable in the nonprofit space and how are we going to make sure that you have them even in the absence of that training that you should be receiving from the nonprofit. And that really goes back to what you had mentioned, which is it is the responsibility of the nonprofit to make sure that the person coming onto the board mm -hmm. is fully prepared to understand what that means. But we took it upon ourselves to bring that onboarding mm -hmm. process into, in this case, the Columbus community so that we could make sure that people had the right skills, the right mm -hmm. perspective, but not necessarily all the knowledge necessary to actually mm -hmm. successfully perform on a board. That's really helpful. And specifically, I, at least my experience was the nonprofit I joined was quite small, mm -hmm. something I was passionate about. It was a nature preserve. But we didn't have anything sophisticated with regard to onboarding board mm -hmm. members. I don't even remember being onboarded. And I didn't know what it meant to be a good board member. I, I knew that on my calendar was I was supposed to show up to a board meeting. Mm -hmm. I did um, show up. I was on time. I was not prepared because we didn't have necessarily board meeting, uh, board expectations with regard to advanced prep, reading um, financial statements, creating status reports, none of that. We just kind of showed up and were smart. And I've subsequently learned that showing up and being smart is a good thing, good place to start. It's a good place to start. But it's totally insufficient for effective board membership. Which is important. It's important to know that when you are, when you accept a board position, you are taking on a job. Mm -hmm. And that job has responsibilities, in particular with a nonprofit space. That job has legal and fiduciary responsibilities that are absolutely paramount to understand mm -hmm. if you're going to be an effective, if you're going to be a good and dutiful board member, which is really what we're talking about. You are supposed to put that organization first. You are supposed to have loyalty to that organization. You're supposed to also make sure that you're providing the best counsel possible. And in the absence of understanding what your duties and responsibilities are, you go in not knowing. And not knowing means you can do an awful lot of collateral damage to the organization. And that doesn't mean bad things. It just means that your ham-fisted approach to lead that organization to mm -hmm. provide guidance isn't always necessarily in the best interests of the nonprofit. So let's go back to the topic of fiduciary responsibility, because I think it's something that many people, including me on the first time, didn't realize what that was. Mm -hmm. it, I didn't understand that I was legally liable mm -hmm. for the organization's performance. And to take that even further, we ended up at some point spinning off part of the organization because we were not thriving financially. Mm -hmm. Uh, our founder had become ill. He was no longer involved. It, we were a very founder-driven organization, and we weren't driving the revenue we needed. So all of those things happened, not unusual in nonprofits, but we got ourselves in a financial situation that required quick action, and we each kind of just wanted it to work, so we kept doing what we were doing. We were working hard, For sure. thought we were doing the right thing, but we weren't making the the decisions required to thrive long term. And Maureen, one of the things that you just said, and I'm going to go back to a comment you said, which is this is a small, fairly fairly unsophisticated nonprofit. Mm -hmm. But just in the last two sentences, you described a very sophisticated, very complex series of decisions and actions that needed to be taken. Mm -hmm. To spin off an organization is an incredibly labor-intensive, incredibly information-intensive mm -hmm. thing to go through. To have 
um, legal responsibilities and understand what's happening financially means you've also got to have some type of preparation in how to read financial statements. If you've mm-hmm. never read a financial statement before, regardless of what part of the business is in, mm-hmm. stepping into a situation where you know you're reading something and understanding that mm-hmm. is really important. And so one of the things, going back to where we've spent an awful lot of time, is if you have been in business but not been exposed to certain basic parts of mm-hmm. running a business, we need you to understand what the language is, what these terms mean, mm-hmm. what a P, I mean, just getting into the basics, what, what a P&L balance sheet means. How do you read those? What does mm-hmm. that mean? Because at the end of the day, you're making a decision that could ultimately affect the destiny of that organization. Moreover, and we, have met, we, we recommend this, you need to have approved those finances as being an appropriate reflection of the current environment that exists. If you can't read those financial statements or don't understand to do it, it's someone's responsibility, typically yours, to understand how to do that. So you, again, are making the right decisions. So regardless of what level of nonprofit we're talking about, mm-hmm. from the very basic mom-and-pop nonprofit up to mm-hmm. a very sophisticated tens of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. they're the same very complex situations that we're talking about. They're still something that people need to understand what their responsibilities are. Outside of that, you're making ill-informed decisions. Well, and what what happened in that culture, and I'm assuming we were all very committed to this thing. We wanted it to work. So we let go longer than we should. Mm -hmm. Everyone wanted to get along, all that stuff. We wanted Mm -hmm. to be supportive. So we didn't make the tough decisions, and and we're legally liable. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that's so important. We owned a retreat center that had a mortgage, and we got to the point where it looked like we weren't going to be able to pay our mortgage. Um, people had made personal commitments to the bank guaranteeing that that mortgage would be paid as board members not taking appropriate action meant we were responsible Mm -hmm. those people who had guaranteed the loan the bank could have sued us for not taking appropriate action It, it we weren't just sitting in meetings. We were running an organization with legal financial responsibility. And, and you were representing, at the end of the day, the board members are effectively the sh- the community shareholders of that organization. You should be acting in the best interest of that organization. Abrogation of that responsibility still means that you're responsible for those decisions. Not knowing how to make the right decisions is detrimental to the organization. And in fact, many staffs look to their board not just as professionals in their various verticals, mm-hmm. but to provide guidance and counseling to move that organization forward. In the absence of the knowledge how to do that, in the absence of knowing what you're supposed to do, you're not making smart decisions. You're not helping move that organization forward. It's dangerous. And I think it also leads to why many nonprofits um, from a for-profit perspective have this perception that they're not run as well as a for-profit organization, which I think is a misnomer. It's hard to run a nonprofit. It's very complicated to run a nonprofit. A nonprofit is really a tax code. You're mm-hmm. still running a business and understanding the language and understanding the practices and understanding the legality. That means that you, as the board member, are helping to provide that guidance and counsel. You're giving that direction. It's a super important job. I, uh, the other thing to, to illuminate, and, and you hit on it, is the nonprofit tax status ranges everything from our tiny little nature preserve, w- which was 400 acres, so net worth, not tiny, mm-hmm. to serving on a universe. I was on a board of trustees of a university in a governing capacity that's a very large complex 
financially complicated organization. Mm-hmm. And again, we as board members needed to understand revenue, P&L, balance sheet, changes in the industry, mm-hmm. huge changes right now in education and the university's ability to meet its obligations and stay in business mm-hmm. and represent the best interest of the students who are alumni from a place that used to be in business, not helpful. So we, and how do you wind it down in the middle of a semester when you run out of money and students have paid tuition and you're not sure how to pay faculty? And there are all kinds of complications, if not done well, that, that I think we don't necessarily consider when someone says, would you like to join a board? And that seems really cool. It does. And yet really cool means I'm taking on personally Mm -hmm. a financial obligation, a legal obligation. And even with directors and officers insurance, insurance, I don't think that protects me from being stupid or negligent. Right? No. So so if I do it badly, I'm still on the hook. For sure. And sometimes stupid and negligent is in the eyes of the beholder. I, I in my best in my best effort, I'm trying to do the right thing to the organization. Mm-hmm. But in the absence of knowing, I may take actions that are, in retrospect, not advised. And I think one of the things you mentioned, and I, and I would go a little farther on this one, is that part of being on a board is knowing that you're not supposed to get into the tactical operations of the organization. That's a good point. And so as you started to talk about the two different examples, you never mentioned getting down into the weeds of the organization. A board that starts to get into the weeds is either – at a deficit in that organization mm-hmm. or having to do that because there's a practical gap in that organization or has a misalignment in terms of what their practice is. They are supposed to be strategic. They are supposed to be making governing decisions, not tactical decisions. And so making sure that we elevate ourselves, making sure that we stay out of the weeds, making sure that we mm-hmm. do that requires the cooperation of not only the organization, but the knowledge and awareness of the board that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And what I was going to get to is, and someone on the board being brave enough and honest enough to ask the hard questions all the time. Being on a board does not mean you vote with everyone else. Being on board means you have a personal responsibility to understand everything that's going on. And in the absence of understanding that should raise your hand or vote to say, I don't understand this. I'm either going to abstain or I'm going to say no until such time as I understand that. So this asking the question and making sure that you're Mm -hmm. a good steward of that organization means being fully invested in that organization and asking the hard and probing questions. And it's interesting having done this a few times, usually in turnaround situations, always in turnaround situations, I think. We're in turnaround situations because people aren't asking the questions, and yet the culture is somebody makes a presentation, the board president says, this is a really good idea, and everyone says yes. And often there is not a complete understanding. Mm -hmm. And good people, well-intended, long-term relationships, so I'm not in any way indicting the people in the room, but absent the mindset that I'm going to be the guy who says no when everybody else says yes, that 11th juror or whatever that term is, mm-hmm. it, we end up going down a path that is can be ill-advised. Sure. And again, legally, I've now abdicated my responsibility. And Maureen, what you're talking about is courage. And you're talking about having the wherewithal to stand up on that courage and say, in the face of power, Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask questions, not for the purposes of losing focus Mm -hmm. or taking us down a bunny trail, but to say, I have a responsibility, a fiduciary, a legal Mm -hmm. responsibility to understand this. And I may be the youngest person on this board or the oldest person on this board, Mm -hmm. but we 
have to work this out. I have to understand this before I can raise my hand and vote yes or no on this. Mm -hmm. And in the absence of that, we're abrogating our responsibilities. Thank you. Perfect place to take a break. This is Scott Kane and Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We'll be back after a brief break. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. This is Maureen Metcalf and Scott Kane, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. When we went to break, we were talking about fiduciary responsibility. And I want to pick up there again. It seems that, for me, it was one of the things that I didn't understand when I took my first board role. And often in board settings, I'm having the conversation, especially when I have been in a governance role and a board chair, reminding people that this is a legal obligation. Mm. We can get sued for making bad decisions. And I don't mean to sound like I'm the the litigation police or some crazy person, but that 
the responsibility we take on is to shepherd the organization and the mission. So are we preserving this 400 acres of land that lots of people have donated money for? Are we preserving the radio station where we're recording Mm -hmm. that people have for decades contributed to build this resource? And poor decisions on our part caused that investment of, in many cases, decades of people's investment, time and money, to, to be out of business and that's huge Maureen so we'll go back to fiduciary responsibility Mm -hmm. but to to talk to that it is our job as board members to make sure that the actions and Mm -hmm. tasks that are taken on by an organization Mm -hmm. are mission aligned and if we start to move that organization as a board off of that mission Mm -hmm. it's the responsibility of a board member to raise their hand and say this doesn't seem consistent with our mission it's our responsibility to do that Mm -hmm. and speaking to the professionals who sit on boards If you go onto a board thinking that your job is to be a representative of a law firm, and so all I'm going to ever speak about is legal things or financial. I'm a CPA, so I'm going to be able to make sure the books look right. I mean that you've lost the other 8, 10, 12 different perspectives Mm -hmm. that are necessary for an effective and functioning board, one of which is fiduciary responsibility. So I don't think it's alarmist at all to say you need to recognize before you sit on a board Mm -hmm. your responsibilities, your duty of care, your duty of loyalty, and the strongest one, the duty of obedience, which means Mm -hmm. you've got to hold that organization accountable for its policies and its practices. You've got to make sure that you're working that organization to stay within the right and left limits of its Mm -hmm. mission. And if you start to stray or start to get distracted from that, you as an individual or you as a board, you need to pull it back in. The challenge is if you've never been asked to look at a situation, a question or a strategy Mm -hmm. from different perspectives than where you've been raised, if you've always been a technologist, then you may not be able to provide the full perspective. The value of sitting on a board is that you do get to wear multiple hats, that you may never have done governance or policy building, but you're going to be put on a committee to do that. Mm -hmm. And it stretches you and it exercises you in a way that you may not have been exercised. It may not necessarily be hard to understand. But you'll be looking at it and reacting in a way that you hadn't done before, which expands you professionally. So it's not alarmist at all to say, this is very serious work Mm. that we're doing. You need to take it seriously. Your job starts with the strategy and goes down through various parts of looking at the same problems through different perspectives and coming out on the other side with an advised position. And And When you say that, things you may not have done before, and I'm thinking of roles I've taken on on boards like rewriting bylaws. Nothing makes me feel less smart than taking on something that I, I've never done and I don't even know where to start. And yet that board role required that I learn a whole range of stuff, governance-related tasks that I didn't know about. Right. And how much fun was that? I mean, for, <laughs> fun and terrifying. <laughs> but but I, look, I look at situations like that and I say, if I'm not going to put myself into certain stressed mm-hmm. environments, mm-hmm. if I'm not going to stress myself, if I'm not going to create that tension, I'm not going to grow. And, and I that's think, the innovating of leadership. Correct. Correct. And putting yourself out there. Now, the nice thing about boards are rarely are you at it alone. So there is going to be someone else who has either done it before or there'll be resources available to you so that you're not going to make mistakes. You may make mistaken assumptions, mm-hmm. but no one, because at the end of the day, there's going to be a vote, is going to let you make bad decisions. That goes back to your you responsibility. <laughs> Raise your hand and say, I don't understand, and that seems inconsistent with what I understand. But at the end of the day, stretching yourself and being mm-hmm. exposed to those things is something that is eminently available to you if you sit on a board. 
as you say that, one of the things that really helped me was having good external counsel. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a lawyer mm -hmm. on the board, get external legal counsel. I know it costs money, and I know I, I have personally said we can't afford that, and yet what a mistake that was. So doing the due diligence of finding what you don't know, and I'm probably speaking to myself having made that mistake, that it's important to raise your hand and say I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's expected on a good high-functioning board, those are the assumptions we make, that there are people who don't understand, and we should stop and provide the education. Agreed. We've had attorneys come in, we, we rewrote the bylaws for a university not too long ago, and we had legal counsel come in and talk about what a bylaw is for. Mm -hmm. it, on that thought, as, as, the, as a governing board member, we focused on strategic planning, bylaws, high level. Now, th that specific organization was doing poorly financially when I joined, so we also went in into some things that one would not do in a healthy, high-functioning organization. But you talked about the distinction between board roles and organizational roles, and I know how important that is. So can you talk a little bit about what that is? Sure. And there's there's shades of gray in this, and, and there are certain mm -hmm. things that are not shades of gray. Right. The definition of what is being done and what is guiding are two very different things. The staff and the ED or CEO should be doing and executing. In the absence of the right staff, you might have a board member step down into that, but that's by exception rather than by the rule. So generally what we're looking for is board members are doing the strategic approaches. They're looking at the higher level direction. They're mm -hmm. looking at the fiduciary activities that are going on, not to check to see whether the checks are being cashed mm -hmm. or not, right. but to say, say that we've got the policies and procedures in place. Back to mission, making sure that that mission is being executed and realigning the staff if they're not aligned, aligned mm -hmm. to that mission. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, they're also there to make sure that if additional resources are necessary, and resources could be people, money, or time, that those resources are made available to the staff so that going back to the first statement, the staff can do their job. And so at the end of the day, direction is provided by the board, activities are done by the staff. If a board starts to step in beyond committees and start to do things, you've got to ask yourself, is that because you have to or because you are? And in some cases, doing is not the right answer. You're mm -hmm. taking away the power from either the ED or from the staff. So in some cases with tiny little organizations, it's a working board. For sure. So we do. But to your point, if I have an executive director or CEO and a staff, I shouldn't be doing their jobs. No. And you should be holding them accountable to that. Mm -hmm. now, one of the other things, and I think this is often lost, in fact, there was a Stanford survey that came out this year that said that nearly two-thirds of current nonprofits across the United States haven't done this. Succession planning is another key part of board responsibilities. Okay. Succession planning for the ED, no other staff, mm -hmm. for the ED. When she or he is in position, there should be a plan to replace that person. Nearly two-thirds of nonprofits, I think it may be more than that, don't have that in place. And all of nonprofits would say that to replace my ED or CEO would take a minimum of 90 days, if not more than 90 days to do. So a fifth responsibility to that is evaluating, mentoring, guiding, and being prepared to replace, when necessary mm -hmm. or at the right time, the ED or the CEO. Uh, for a couple reasons, right? One, they could resign, mm -hmm. and they do. Mm -hmm. Two, they could be ill. Correct. I'm on a board right now, and our number two, so not our exec, died okay. unexpectedly. Like, went home from work, sat down at his desk, had a heart attack, didn't come in the next day. 
that had that happened to the executive director, that organization that impacts a large community would be out of business. Mm-hmm. We're, we weren't prepared. We were working on it, but we weren't prepared to replace the exec. And we're still not because the number two is no longer with us. It's really imperative, especially in small nonprofits, that someone is able to step in. And this is a delicate conversation because the conversation with the ED, you're not suggesting that we're going to replace you. We just need to be prepared for that hit by a bus moment. And that's a natural part of a business. There needs to be some type of succession plan. There needs to be deliberate thought to that. Mm -hmm. But that also goes to the conversations that happen. And I think what I find not having done for-profit boards is on nonprofit boards, the willingness for us to be self-reflective. To Mm -hmm. be very honest and open about who Mm -hmm. we are and to be very open and candid in the conversation is one of the most important parts of being on a board. It goes back to asking questions, and it's the same thing between staff and the board. Now, the board chair should be having that conversation with Mm -hmm. the ED. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't be something that's happening from a general board level, at least from my position. Mm -hmm. But that conversation needs to be had. We're not saying that you're going. We're not saying that you're not doing a good job, but we need to talk about this. What characteristics, what do you think Mm -hmm. are most important? The board needs to have deliberately considered that. Now, mind you, if you just got seated on a board mm-hmm. and you've never sat on a board and the first board meeting you attend, they say, let's talk about ED su- succession planning, you probably need to understand what that means. You probably mm-hmm. need to understand the organization well enough and general human development, human mm-hmm. resource management mm-hmm. so that you can actually have a productive part of that conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it makes perfect sense, again, that we're in a board role to serve and add value and yet we often don't know the implications and yet there is value in being the new perspective Mm -hmm. so through new eyes what is it that i'm going to ask and in that questioning can raise some issues that people who've been doing it for a long time may have been making assumptions that were inaccurate or untested which is one of the chief goals that we've had inside and outside of groundwork group for providing this board development training which is we want you to be as advised as you possibly can be because we want you to raise questions just because the organization has always done this way raising the raising your hand and saying i don't understand that that's how we're supposed to be doing this and my understanding of this particular situation is we should be doing one two and three provides a different perspective provides additional incremental value to that board we've found lots of people who have served on boards for 10 and 20 years who after having this training would say now i finally understand what i'm supposed to be doing Not that we weren't doing it before, but now I have those left and right limits. I clearly Mm -hmm. understand the box that I'm supposed to be in and the box that I'm supposed to be observing. Mm -hmm. And if I'm in that box that I'm supposed to be observing, I'm not doing my job because I can't be in both boxes at the same time. So now I clearly understand where I'm supposed to be, my area of responsibility. So to speak to that, there's some things that good boards do. Mm -hmm. And there are some things that If you're not doing them, you are missing an opportunity. And so can you give us a couple of pointers? For sure. So the the, the first one is that it it starts with the mission of the organization. Mm -hmm. My experience has been that good boards start their meetings with and continue through that meeting a focus on those activities that are oriented towards the mission. Mm-hmm. That they do not get distracted from that, and therefore the committee reports and the ED reports and the finance reports and the approval are all oriented towards the mission of the organization, mm-hmm. that you're not distracted by the details of that, but that you're keeping it at an appropriately high level. To speak to a second point, 
boards need to have done things in a formal way. If you're following Roger's rule of order, you need to have reviewed all the materials that were sent out so that you can, in good faith, vote on the financials as an accurate reflection of the organization that should be happening at every single board meeting. You should be voting and approving the minutes as an accurate reflection of what was done in the last meeting. Mm -hmm. And through the course of the activities, there should be things that are brought forward to vote on, which they're pretty limited in that. Mm that move the organization forward. So a well-run organization is going to be less speaking and more interaction with the goal being that we're trying to accomplish things. We're not just having reports out by the committees. We're not just listening and therefore Mm -hmm. unengaged. One of the words that Danny mentioned before talks about is boards that are generative. Generative conversations are an invaluable part of creating an engaged board, Mm -hmm. a board that is doing more than just receiving reports. They're coming to the table knowing that the conversation we're going to have today is going to put us at odds with one another. Mm -hmm. But the goal is not to argue. The goal is to test this out and to twist it and to turn it to come back Mm -hmm. with a good, well-thought-out position on whatever it was that we're having Mm -hmm. the generative conversation on. So the second thing beyond that organization and mission alignment is that there are generative conversations, conversations that are not just reporting in nature, but are challenging and twisting topics so that we understand Mm -hmm. where we stand and understand where we're going as an organization. Yeah, from the the perspective of vibrant organizations, uh, there's a joke about I spent another two hours in a meeting that could have been done by email. Right. That if if we are preparing and sending information out in advance to do the pre-work that's part of the board membership, it's not just showing up at a meeting once a quarter. No. It's studying, understanding the industry. When I was on the university board, I did a lot of studying about what was happening in transforming university settings. And as a board member, that's my responsibility. If we're doing the strategic work, I've got to understand strategic positioning across the landscape. Mm-hmm. That the board meetings, and this was something we changed in that organization, sending out pre-reports. So the converse, anything that was read on the status report, that was where we spent our time. Right. Not if it's green, do not tell me for a half hour how many emails you sent and how much stuff you did. I don't care. Not that I don't care, but it's not the way to invest 10 or 20 very highly skilled people listening to status. To your point. Agree. Generative conversations. And the other thing you've talked about is self-awareness. You mm-hmm. mentioned that earlier. What does that look like? Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a big question. I think, I think self-awareness, uh, I'm going to break it down into uh-huh. three pieces. Uh-huh. The first is knowing clearly who you are and what values you bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the second part is knowing enough about the other people sitting around the table to know where your values and their values mm-hmm. align mm-hmm. or collide mesh or otherwise. And the third part is understanding how you fit into the larger organization. Mm -hmm. Because in the absence of the first, which you have to have self-awareness, knowing what I believe in, what do I care about, and knowing how that's going to interact with others, you're not necessarily going to be able to provide the value that a well-functioning board would board would provide when mm-hmm. they understand the organization, how they fit individually and collectively within that organization. But it really does start with knowing me well enough to know when I should be speaking, when mm-hmm. I shouldn't be speaking, when my opinion matters, when my opinion doesn't matter, and whether or not I have the right skills and knowledge to actually be voicing that opinion. And I think it's important to know that. It's also important to be able to hold other people accountable for that. I think you're speaking out of turn. I don't know that that makes sense in my experience. But that's, again, your ability to understand when it's appropriate to say that and when it's not appropriate to say that. For sure, contention on a board is not necessarily something you always want. But a well-functioning board can manage that as long as people have the self-awareness to, to manage through those things without getting too terribly emotional about it. 
So interpersonal, emotional intelligence kind of self-awareness. Completely agree. Okay. So so you and I have a different point of view, and that's why we're here. And it's good. That, that we have differences brings value to the organization. And if I treat you badly, it's useless because now I've annoyed you or you've annoyed me and we don't get the work done. And, and the galvanizing principle for all of us should be executing the mission of that organization. Mm-hmm. So it's fine mm-hmm. if we have different perspectives. In fact, it's probably good that we have different perspectives as long as the thing that's galvanizing us is the direction and orientation towards successfully completing that mission. Mm-hmm. I've worked with organizations where every time we go into the room for the board meeting, mm-hmm. it, and it's on the status report, this is the mission. It's the top thing. And I'm reminded every time I, if I read it, every time I look at it, that this is why we're here. Now let's, and and actually when I put them together for organizations, it starts with the mission, and then I put the guiding principles. So so how is it that we engage with one another? And, and let's, be, let's be honest, I'm sure you've had this experience, and I, I know I have, is sitting down in a board meeting, and all of a sudden you're talking about, all of the unfun things that are going on in an organization. And so you're sitting for your hour or your two hours and absent that, if you did that mission read and maybe mm-hmm. even a moment, a mission moment, mm-hmm. everything else is about the gears and how it's grinding and how it's not working. And you kind of go, really? Yeah. Isn't that, I'm not, I'm not here for that. I'm here to yeah. see things. But that's the reality. Some board mm-hmm. meetings do mean that. Now, what I would tell you is if the pattern of behavior is we spend all our time talking about grinding gears, there's probably something going on in that board that isn't necessarily as healthy as it, it needs to be. And the board I'm thinking of that was the least healthy, we got into all the gear grinding, and mi- and it was where we missed dealing with the financial. And by the way, I think it's easy. It's easy for us as business professionals, specifically mm-hmm. for-profits, mm-hmm. to, to gravitate towards what we're comfortable in. If I'm an IT person, let me spend a lot of time talking about IT. If mm-hmm. I'm a financial or a lawyer, I can roll around in that. We can have a very mm-hmm. long conversation about that, but that's not necessarily what we need to be doing at the board level. So let's close this segment then with the idea of evaluation of board meetings. Mm-hmm. So to your point, we can get waylaid and if we're not evaluating board meetings at the end of each meeting, start, stop, continue at the simplest, but at, at a more sophisticated level, what, how are we working together to accomplish the mission and looking at things like what percentage of our meeting was generative, mm-hmm. what percent was status reporting, what were the interpersonal dynamics? If we're not doing that, we are again at risk of frittering away the the very valuable and and rare for many boards. We don't meet that often, right? So you get, again, this top level of folks in a room and they are unengaged and annoyed. In some cases, actively disengaged and frustrated for having wasted their time being there. And yet they're there for lots of good reasons. And in some cases, because my company said so. Sure. So, <laughs> right. so how do we do the evaluation in a way that supports ongoing health of the board? The two answers to that I, I have is first, it's, it is not, it is uncommon mm-hmm. for many boards to have an annual self evaluation. Okay. And so, one of those things that we, I always like to see is that the board have, at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. a series of one, two, three, five things that we're going to weigh whether or not we're contributing as individuals. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, it doesn't have to be the ED mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. board chair doing that. To be able to measure that, even on a personal level, adds a level of engagement that you wouldn't otherwise have because we're Mm -hmm. all measurement oriented. Mm -hmm. I think even big business more so that things are about how many did you do? Did you accomplish it? Did you get it done in the time period? Mm -hmm. To have that same level of um, resolution and insight into board meetings and the annual. And what I like to say is that if you have a board meeting once a month for a year, Mm -hmm. you've effectively spent 24 hours 
with that organization, which is less than a week's worth of work. So think of yourself when you think about how much work you can get done in a three-day period. And think about that with respect to the board. You've got three days to get this accomplished. You should be using that time as best you can. Part of that means setting up examples as to what our responsibility is, what qualifies as a good board member, what qualifies as success at the board level. And if we all go into our sessions knowing that this is what qualifies, we're able to self-adjust to keep ourselves, ourselves, and the organization in alignment towards achieving those goals that we set out to achieve. Great point. Let's go to break and then come back and talk about what makes a good board member. Mm -hmm. Having been on that selection committee, again, if we're not mindful in advance, we can select wrong people and really derail a board. Yes. So this is Maureen Metcalf and Scott Kane talking about board effectiveness. We will be right back after a break. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Welcome back. This is Maureen Metcalf and Scott Kane, Innovative Leaders, Driving Thriving Organizations. Scott's talking about board leadership and board effectiveness. And specifically, as a leader, why would I want to spend time joining a board when I'm crazy busy trying to get my work done? And if I have a family and, and want to have any kind of a balanced life, work out, sleep, eat, it's more time invested and yet a hugely beneficial opportunity if I'm joining a board that is effective. And so Scott's going to talk about a little bit about the profile of an effective board member, and then we're going to wrap up. Thank you. And I appreciate that question because I think it's important that beyond the the I've been asked, and there's a certain amount of ego to that, mm-hmm. and there's a certain amount of questioning as to whether or not I'm qualified. Once you get beyond that, mm-hmm. there is the question of what organization am I joining? So there's two answers to the question you have. The first is, Knowing what you're getting yourself into means having had those right interviews, Mm -hmm. having had conversations with the board chairs and the EDs, and asking very probing questions so that you know whether or not you're getting on a well-governed board. Part of that is also understanding how you fit into that organization. And so that you may come to the table with an absolute passion. No one is more passionate about that mission than you. Mm -hmm. The problem is... If your skills aren't complementary to the needs of the board, if you as an individual are bringing different motivations to the table, even if those are aligned with the mission, that may not be the right board for you to join. So part of this goes back to making sure that the organization you're joining is in the right and appropriate place that you expect it to be, which is asking those questions, and then reflecting on yourself and saying, am I the right person to be bringing my skills at this point to this organization And what I hope is that in all cases you find the answers yes to both of those. This seems like a well-run organization. And look, organizations, all organizations are a white box that something goes on one side and comes out the other side and it seems to work. And until you crack that white box and look inside of it, you don't know what the gears look like. You don't know that there's dust in the corner of the organization. You don't know that it's a mess. For sure, sitting on a board, you're going to open that up during the first board meeting and go, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? However... If you did the right vetting, and if they did the right vetting, you will know based on your earnestness towards that mission and the skills that they said they need that you would be a good fit. And if you're a good fit and that organization seems to be running in a way that's consistent with what you're looking for, you may want a challenge. Great. Find find a fix that you're looking for, but make sure that that match actually exists. Great. Thank you. So let's wrap up. Final thoughts. What would you want our listeners to know about joining a board in service of becoming a more effective leader. You've probably mm-hmm. placed hundreds, Nine. maybe? Close <laughs> People on boards. Mm-hmm. Are there one or two things that you found most effective that you want to share? I think the first thing is, as much as we've talked about the severity of consequence of not knowing your roles, this should not be a fearful situation. If given the opportunity or the willingness on your part to serve on a board, seek those opportunities. The second part is seek those opportunities not just out of the service to serve, but serving something that you're passionate about. You're going to be asked to give time. You're going to be giving up time. Now, I frankly think the busier you are, the more efficient you are. But at the end of the day, you're going to be given up time. Find something that you're passionate about. And the third part is make sure that those skills that you bring to the table aren't the only reason why you're being chosen for that board. So back to the groundwork group. IT tends to be the door by which you're walking through. But my recommendation is don't serve on the IT committee as your first committee. 
serve on a different committee because we already know you have, have the professional skill set associated with being an IT person. Mm-hmm. You can bring that at a different point. Serve in another place. Learn that organization. Be embraced by that organization in a way that stretches you going back to the professional development because the reason you're joining a board isn't just to give what you have. It's to give what you're capable of doing, to learn more and give more for that organization, to serve that organization, and in reciprocation, you're going to get more yourself. What a beautiful summary. So join a board to learn, join a board to serve, both. Mm -hmm. Because you're giving time, you're giving money. Most boards require donations. Yes. In addition to spending time. So doing it for something you're passionate about. And most of us are passionate about something, whether it's condition of the water or pets or nature or social justice sure lots of lots of feeding people lots of good reasons to contribute then understand what it is to be an effective board member and what an effective board looks like this choice to donate my time and my money is wonderful until you get in and you find the thing is so dysfunctional that it's a waste of time and money and frustration on top of it. So selecting the right board is really important. And you can't do that until you understand what effective looks like. Right. The board should have bylaws that you re- review in advance. They should have a board job description mm-hmm. that you understand what you're stepping into. Do I have the time and energy to do it? So let's wrap up there. Scott, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. Again, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I hope you walk away with something that will inspire you to think about boards more differently, to consider somewhere in your career, if you're not already doing it, that you might. If you are doing it, I hope you walked away with something that might help you be more effective. If you have not ever commented on the show, I invite you to email info at metcalf-associates.com. I would love to hear your feedback. What do you want to hear us talk about? What do you think we should do differently to be more effective? Or do you have a question for one of our guests? Scott would love to respond to your questions about boards and nonprofit leadership. And he also has for-profit experience as many uh, effective nonprofit leaders who have done both. So thank you for joining us, and we will be back again with you next week. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.